is Jeff Coburn. We welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast and update. It's the 1st of November and so many things have been happening around the world of Disney. We cover many of the highlights today from price increases to lawsuits, closures to cancellations, drones to barge fires. The last four weeks have been both busy and controversial, and we take a look behind the magic as to what is happening. From Shanghai to Tokyo Disney, from Disneyland to Walt Disney World, there is much to share. Oh, and Tron and the train. Well, there's always something to talk about when it comes to Tron and the train. So take, so join us as we take a look at the good, the bad, the ugly, and the fun of the last 30 days. Make sure you also take advantage of subscribing to DisneyAtPlay.com and subscribing to this podcast. And we appreciate those who can go onto iTunes and other um, podcast sites and give us a positive rating or review. That's just so greatly appreciated. Well, we're going to begin here at Walt Disney World. And, uh, well, it's the first day after... after, uh, Halloween, so uh, you would think we'd be starting to put up Christmas decorations, but no, that's that's already been undergoing. Over at Disney's Animal Kingdom, they've already started putting up Christmas lights, I would say like over a week ago. So we are, uh, we are making a fast transition to the holiday time here at uh, Walt Disney World, and it's a great time. But... Uh, but yeah, if you were uh, waiting for anybody to just take a pause between Halloween and Christmas, eh, not going to happen so much. Over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, there is uh, progress on Woody's Roundup Barbecue. Some signage has gone up um, in the front of the uh, restaurant, and then there's a lot of scaffolding on the restaurant itself. So we're finally seeing progress. Don't know how far along the interior that is. But we know that um, that uh, something is finally coming. It was promised for this year, but then again, it was also promised once upon a time for 2019. So, so we'll see where it goes. There's uh, they've also been showcasing uh, what some of the bowls and platters look like. Uh, they kind of the glasses kind of look like uh, um, the barrel of monkeys jar kind of thing and. It's kind of cute. Any rate, clever. I'm sure it'll be popular when it opens. But really, what's going to be popular this week, and I'm so excited about it, it is Fantasmic. Fantasmic finally returns, and I am praying and hoping it is better than ever that it really delivers the goods. I am so excited for this, for this, uh, attraction to return and uh, as soon as I have a chance to see it we'll uh, do a little bit of a report dedicated toward it so hang tight on that we're very excited for the return of Fantasmic now over at Epcot this uh, to about a week and a half ago there was a fire on one of the barges is actually one of the pyro barges not one of the uh, barges that holds the screen or the scar- LED screens or the Stargate but uh, <clears throat> so it's fine. But there's been a lot of conversation about what 
the future of fireworks show because there are two new fireworks show a happily ever after kind of form returning to the magic kingdom and then a show to replace harmonious in um epcot i'd love to see the led barges uh remain uh, if i haven't mentioned it earlier i think it would be great to put them over at animal kingdom if you don't keep them at epcot there's a lot of talk about drones and when I was at uh, Disneyland Paris over the summer, they use drones in their pre-show to their fireworks, and it was spectacular. It, um, it was very impressive. And if you actually saw, um, it, it was the same week as the Queen's Jubilee, they did pyro, or not pyro, well, they did pyro, but they also did drones, and it was far more impressive than what even Disneyland Paris was doing. And yet, my concern is, first off, um, you have to, the way it kind of works, or the way Di uh, Disney, at least, has been working at, at Disneyland Paris, they pretty well close off Fantasyland at that time of day so that the drones can come in and out and as part of the fireworks that occur later on. So um, you have to kind of dedicate a space that's closed out so that drones can get in and out. The other thing is, is that drones can take on a 360 shape that can be seen in the round, but by and large, it's not really materialized. It hasn't gotten to that level yet. And it's a little bit more, really you want to be, you want to have it almost as a, as a backdrop that everybody looks like you do everybody on Main Street toward the castle. It, it doesn't, I don't think the drones are going to be so successful if everybody's seeing it in a 360 view. So more to come, I'm sure, on what the, what's coming to Epcot. But know that that is, um, that is a big piece of the conversation going on over there. The other thing I think that's um, quite telling is there's been a lot of rumor about the, no, about the play pavilion not happening at Epcot. I haven't heard anyone really give um, their more exactness to their sources. I think Robert Niles with Theme Park Insider did the best job of articulating what was going on. Um, he says that inside sources that I trust have confirmed to me that the Play Pavilion is now officially shelved for Walt Disney World's Epcot. You remember that the Play Pavilion was going in where the Wonders of Life Pavilion was. What I thought was interesting is that um, um, that there, while there hadn't been a lot of work on the um, on the show pieces for that, apparently the basic structure of the building had gone through some repairs and reinforcement. The roof no longer leaked. And the structure was in a better condition for housing something there. And I thought that was good. I knew and I had said when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, uh, the Play Pavilion looks like it's on a bad hold. Now, by the way, it shows up still in the guide map at this point. That doesn't mean anything, but it does show up in the guide map. But when they did Guardians of the Galaxy, they literally put a berm of plants and trees 
in front of the walkway that takes you to the play pavilion. So it has been just literally closed off at this point. Um, and that was that was a pretty bad sign. Now, um, what does all this mean? Um, it I'm going to just mention before I get over to the Magic Kingdom. Well, actually, let me go to the Magic Kingdom first before I get to this. Um, I was at the Magic Kingdom last week. I think I talked about meeting our first Patreon supporter over there, he and his family, and that was a really great visit. As we were pulling in to on the monorail into the Magic Kingdom, it uh, what they do is they dedicate at about 4 or 5 in the afternoon, they dedicate the right side for guests coming in for the not-so-scary Halloween party. And then they kind of kind of keep them to the right and they kind of pull them behind uh, Magic Kingdom, give them some candy and let them go and that type of thing. Um, there was a massive, massive, massive crowd in on the right side. There was nobody on the left side, which would have been just regular day guests going into the park. There was literally, it was two contrasts. Completely empty on one side, completely overwhelmingly full on the other side. And I mentioned to, I, I was with my friend David Zanola. We were both heading over there. And I said, because there has been this um, visit that was done at about the same time, an executive retreat where all the executives came to Walt Disney World for a retreat. If I were the executive part of the executive team and I was riding that monorail and I was seeing that crowd and I asked, how much are they paying? And you learned that they were paying upwards to $200 a night to go to a Halloween party. I'd be saying one of two things. I'd either be saying, well, we need to do more Halloween parties and or we need to raise the prices because the demand on that Halloween party was deafening from that visual as we came into the park. I think that um, this is what happens when you see things like Genie Plus increasing. It's the demand that keeps creating a price increase. And you see that play out in lots of different ways. I also think that probably, and so I, I kind of sat there thinking about what do you think the executives saw while they walked through those parks? I am sure that they saw a lot of fences at Epcot, and I'm sure they were probably even treated to what was going on with Moana Update, maybe what the pavilion was. I wonder how excited there they were for what was going on in the center of Epcot. Uh, I think there probably was dialogue there. I wouldn't have been surprised if if the Wonders of Life Pavilion had been had been toured or walked through or at least pointed to. I can't help but think there wouldn't have been some conversation about, well, if not the Play Pavilion, what could go in there? Because honestly, you have a fantastic setting to do so many things. You could even conceivably put in simulators that, uh, well, the simulators were there. They've probably taken a lot of parts from those simulators over to Star Tours, but they were the same simulators as Star Tours when they were wonder, um, doing Body Wars 
over at Wonders of Life, and I'm sure those simulators are sitting there. I, there's so much potential in that building, for that building. I just wonder what the executives are looking at, especially when you can't help but see, as you go to the airport, all the cranes that are lined up for Universal's newest theme park. You've got to be asking yourself some really tough questions about where are we going in two years, three years, four years? In terms of attractions, it, it just seems if you've got this kind of demand for a Halloween party, why aren't we doing other things that enhance and increase that demand? Um, that's the thing I saw. By the way, I'm sure they also saw the Tron coaster, which I had a chance to see via the People Mover and from the back of Storybook Circus. And you could see that the whole, pretty much the whole landscaping package had been put in. Pretty much all of the pavement has been put in. You could pretty well see how the whole thing lines up. It's going to be fantastic when when that attraction opens. Lentesta was hinting at the 1st of March, uh, I think it was, maybe uh, for opening, or maybe the 1st of February for limited uh, pass holder kind of and uh, cast member previews and then March. And, it, and then also this last week, um, cast members, ambassadors, to Walt Disney World presented to the cast members um, notification that they were going to be part of the opening team for Tron, uh, which was designated for a spring 23 opening. Um, and I, um, it seems, uh, it seems like things are rolling very quickly. I would imagine that all of these cast members will be working at Tron by January 1st to to get this attraction ready if not sooner i think that's that's where this deadline is kind of all coming to so so that kind of gives you a sense of what is going on in terms of new attractions and things happening at the magic kingdom now at the same time there were some big price increases and and changes made to the genie plus system um i think People were expecting that the select lightning lanes would continue to increase in price, and they have. I think people were very surprised to see that the Genie Plus basic system, which gets you onto attractions like Space Mountain and Splash Mountain and, and Big Thunder Mountain and Haunted Mansion, I think they were very surprised to see that that pricing could go up to $22. And that it did go up to $22 immediately. And in fact, I do believe it will continue to progress for it. I do not think, I, I think by the time we get to Tron's opening, even though Tron will be a select lightning lane, I wouldn't be surprised if the rest, because of attendance increases, that there won't be a $25 Genie Plus. That is going to continue going up. Now, I don't, I'm not so certain in my mind that, that's a bad thing. And the reason I say that, and, and I've used Genie Plus, so I appreciate its use and so forth. But the reason I say that is because I think the more expensive you make Genie Plus, the less likely people might take advantage of using it. 
And the less people using it means the more the flow of the standby line is going to go um, consistently and not be held up by those holding the Genie Plus Pass. That would be the ideal in my mind. I'd like to see the number of people on a Genie Plus Pass be a very limited number. Universal charges an obscene amount of money for their uh, equivalent in their parks, although their equivalent includes all the new rides. Well, it doesn't always include the new rides, actually. Um, but <clears throat> but they do charge a pretty high price, but it lowers the number of people who take advantage of that system. And as a result, um, the standby moves fairly reasonable at um, Universal. Uh, I'd like to see more of that occur. At the same time, going back to the Halloween example, if people are paying for use of the park, $200 for use of the park between four in the afternoon and midnight, what makes me think they're going to stop buying Genie Plus to get their benefit and to get to max out their time in the park? Um, this is this is the riddle of it, and but it's market economics. It's just the dynamics of of what people want and what they're looking for in a an experience like this. So, any rate, we clearly got more to come on that, but. That was a big, big issue that came up. Kind of in keeping with that issue came a lawsuit. And the lawsuit is not too, uh, too different. I'm going to read a little bit from the Orlando Sentinel story that Katie Rice wrote. Two anonymous Walt Disney World pass holders sued Walt Disney World parks and resorts this week, claiming the resort breached its contract with annual pass holders by maintaining its park pass reservation system. The plaintiffs, who were referred to by the initials EK and MP, say the system that requires all visitors to make a reservation to Disney's theme parks blocked its highest tiers of pass holders from visiting the parks on certain days. Despite Disney formerly advertising the premium passes as allowing unlimited access. The class action suit filed um, Tuesday refers to Disney's highest annual pass tiers by their prior names, Platinum and Platinum Plus, which Disney retired when it reworked the program last fall. The rework included increasing the number of reservations that a pass holder can make. Disney spokesman Avery Mayer said Disney recognized annual pass holders as among its biggest and most loyal guests and has been forthcoming with them about updates to the pass system. Quote, we offered them the flexibility to opt in or opt out of the program early in the pandemic, including refunds if they desired, he wrote. This lawsuit mischaracterizes the program and its history, and we will respond um, further in court. The plaintiffs claim Disney debuted the new pass system to cover up its wrongdoing. Disney's current annual pass website states passes are subject to reservation and availability of other terms. I, I And then it goes on to saying, hey, you're favoring single and multi-day park holders over annual pass holders. Well, Disney has the right to do that. And I'm, I'm confused by that lawsuit 
not that I don't want the, re I want the reservation system to go away. I really, really do want the reservation system to go away. This lawsuit is not going to do that. And it seems to me, as I pace through everything that it took, you'll recall there was a period in the pandemic where nobody held anything. And actually, people were given a refund on there, or at least given a choice to refund their annual pass or apply it when it kicked back in. But even then, it has been made pretty clear that the new system is a reservation system and that you cannot. And Disney's been kind of patient in kind of bringing this whole system out so that it could say that legally. I just don't think, I don't know what the attorney's thinking, but I don't see, I don't see where they're going to really, um, how they're really going to, uh, um, win in court win the day in court i just don't see it now the lawsuit at disneyland was a little bit different in my opinion because what it said in their situation i thought was that they had taken the highest tier but then when they went to make reservations they were blocked out and there just wasn't any availability at all um particularly in the month of december and so they were saying look you, you should provide some availability. To me, there has been a pretty good availability. I Because I was on the cruise, I wasn't able to get the opening night of Fantasmic, but I got it the next night and the next night after that. So um, other than that, I'm pretty pretty good at getting you know a, a pass for most any day. If um, and on specially on special days where it's blocked, there's high attendance. I do have to kind of think it ahead of time if I want the pass. But by and large, it's been pretty free. So I'm confused as to where that that's really going to go and and how successful uh, they are going to be in this process. Now. Um, that takes us from Disneyland to Walt Disney World, and I think that's a good opportunity to talk about what's coming to Disneyland. Um, of course, the 100th anniversary of the Walt Disney Company is coming, and they've chosen really Disneyland to be the centerpiece of that celebration. And so they are going to um, create... A couple of different shows to really celebrate that um, and they're going to begin in late January um, of 2023 with what's referred to as Wondrous Journeys. It sounds like a 360 film I know but this is a new nighttime spectacular that's going to debut. It's a fireworks show. It's going to debut at Disneyland Park and it's going to include fountains in front of the castle which is kind of kind of weird for me but i'll go with it see because you really can't see the base of the castle i'm not sure you're going to get the bang of it unless you're right up front but that's going to occur and then also world of color one is what it's called it's a new world of color show um and that's going to open a disney california adventure um next door world of color the the main show the original show 
was a terrific, has been a terrific show. It's a little long in the tooth, in my opinion. It goes a little long. They then did a sh- another show, um, and it, I, I didn't think it did very well. I thought it was a really weird um, show, and um, so it, it didn't succeed. So we'll hopefully see a better show, and that the, this time it'll take better as they uh, as they try to premiere that. That's happening at Disneyland. Over at Tokyo Disney, oh my, oh my, they, um, they have announced that their eighth port, so what you have is you have lands at Disneyland, and then at Disney Seas, you have different ports that you go to. Um, and what has been announced is that this new port is going to be called Fantasy Springs, and it will include, well, well, we kind of knew that, but the three districts within that land of Fantasy Springs is going to be called Frozen Kingdom, based, of course, on Frozen and Arendelle, Rapunzel's Forest, and then finally Peter Pan's Neverland. So they announced that um, that uh, their, the new uh, hotel... What is the new name of the hotel? There is a resort hotel that's going to be on the back end of this area. So, um, and I want to say, um, it's just, ah, I'm missing it. I can't find, I can't find the name of the hotel. I thought it was just Disney's Fantasy Springs Resort. I didn't think it was anything too special, but it just simply ties to the backside of the park there. Um, what was also announced was that it would open in the spring of 2024. Some people had hoped it might open toward the end of 23, but clearly it's going to take a little while before that um, that show premiere, uh, before that entire land premieres. So I've it's been a couple of years because of the pandemic. They opened up just after I left, they opened up a new Soren attraction, which is just the queue alone is so above and beyond what you, um, uh, what you see at, um, in any other Disney park. And so, um, uh, it, I'm trying to find the name of that hotel, uh, as we speak, that's going to just drive me crazy to not have the name of the hotel. Ah, the Tokyo. Oh, I just saw it. Hold on. The Tokyo um, Disney Sea Fantasy Springs Hotel. So it is what I thought it was. Any rate, so that opened. And then the new Fantasyland that took over the Autopia and the old Star Jets. I miss you, Star Jets. Um, at Tokyo Disney. They. That is a whole new land, largely based around Beauty and the Beast and has an amazing Beauty and the Beast attraction, plus a big theater for a show that they do there, plus some uh, a new a Baymax ride in Tomorrowland, some really cool things going on there. So I haven't had a chance to see that. And then finally now this. So I don't... Um, it's hard to know if I'm going to go in 24 because what happens is sometimes... 
with these new things they're so hard to get into or they'll run a um lottery kind of style thing to get into those attractions and i would just hate to get there and not be able to do them all so we'll have to see what comes of that even are also more difficult for lack of better description is that the shanghai disney resort as of yesterday suspended operations um on halloween no less um they resort said 11 39 a.m it would immediately shut down the main theme park and surrounding areas including a shopping street until further notice to comply with virus curbs so because of COVID 19 it has now again shut down and in fact people were in were left for hours in the park they had to test them individually positive before they could leave the park it is a mess it is absolutely a mess and i can't help but think that that uh disney is wondering why it ever bothered to go into china because this is this is not a bedfellow you want there is just and i i have to say i really love so much of shanghai disney i would really love to go back and see the pirates of the caribbean and some of the other attractions it's mountain um where you get to kind of hike and climb it's so many cool things in shanghai disney and yeah i just kind of scratch my head and wonder if that chance and opportunity is going to come back if it is it probably will be back in 25 um after fantasy springs has opened up at tokyo disney this is some really hard things now on the seven seas i one of my previous uh podcasts i did a review of our recent disney cruise um and of course we have the new disney wish what i found to be more than curious is disney's introduction of the national geographic islander 2. so there is this little ship and it is a cruise ship it's a 48 passenger 48 no not two not 4000 48 passenger expedition vessel sails year-round the islands and features teak decks that gracefully connect the indoor and outdoor spaces it basically takes you to some very very cool um places like in the galapagos and other and alaska and antarctica and baja california and so forth and it's it's kind of like um adventures by disney on the sea very exclusive very elite but disney is promoting it and is part of part of uh so um for those of you who want a little more than national geographic on disney plus uh you have the national geographic islander 2 that you can book uh to experience and go sailing on uh speaking of disney plus i want to just end this podcast by talking about what i think other than the imagineering series that they did originally on disney plus i think the best show ever on disney plus is andor and if you have not watched if you loved mandalorian you will really love andor if you loved rogue one this is three times better than rogue one which i think was one of the best films disney ever did 
or I mean, Star the Star Wars um, franchise ever did was Rogue One. This, of course, takes the characters. Well, particularly, <clears throat> sorry, it particularly takes Cassian Andor, played by Diego Luna, and kind of gives his backstory as to how he ended up then in Rogue One. Um, and it just does a phenomenal job. Um, Forrest Whitaker does show up in this. You can see that in the preview. I'm not giving away anything. <clears throat> now, when you watch a show like Mandalorian, which is a great show, it's fairly episodic. They go to a planet, something happens, and then they go off to another planet, and then something happens. You can kind of take one at a time. Andor is a little different. Andor, if you are into binge watching, this may be the best way to see this show. Already, um, I think the 10th one is coming out tomorrow. And uh, <clears throat> there's been a lot of episodes already. I know that. And, oh, there's so much to watch. It is so well done. The, the characters and the depth of story. I know I'm not a person who really talks about the movies of Disney much here. But I'm telling you, if you haven't done Andor, you, you got to go see that. That is a fantastic Fantastic show available on Disney Plus. So check it out. Well, that does it here for DisneyAplay.com. I hope we kind of caught you up to what is happening in the world of Disney. We appreciate your being a part of this podcast. If you want to be a further part, check out our Wayfinder Society. It's our Patreon group. If nothing else, please go again to iTunes or to your local podcast provider and provide us a positive rating or review if even possible. We appreciate that. We appreciate you being a part of this podcast in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage somewhere far, far away on the other side of this planet. We are reminded that we should always follow the compass of our heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.